Go here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Watch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says this. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. There's the abstain. Any form of evil, I abstain from this thing. So abstinence is a biblical thing. Abstaining is a God idea. So it's saying we, we, we stay away from this stuff that will destroy me, but I say yes to the stuff that will build me. Let me just go back to the top. Rejoice. How often? Always. God saw it so fit in the Bible. He said, rejoice always. Again, I say, rejoice. It, he says in the next line, verse 18, in everything, give thanks. In every, He didn't say for everything, give thanks. I, see, some of us got to understand, we have not worshiped God because you've been in something that you're like, I'm frustrated about this. I'm mad about this. Why did I go through this health issue? Why did I go through this last season? How come this continues to happen in my life? God didn't say you have to praise him for the thing. He said you praise him in the thing in the trial, in the tribulation, in the jail cell, in whatever circumstance. Come on, in your house right now, whatever you're in, whatever season, rejoice in the Lord. In everything, in COVID, give thanks. In the in po- political crisis, give thanks. In the midst of racial tension, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Your worship and your prayer life, your engagement here is God's will for your life. There's a rejoice always, always. And let me just say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in everything, in everything. If you're single and you're in singleness, just worship God. If you just got married, you better praise the Lord right now before it gets too hard. Come on. If you just had a child, pray in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God. Worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. Oh, I love this habit. You ought to build into your life. I habitually spend time worshiping and praying. In fact, probably my favorite thing to do is to worship God and to pray to God. It's what I do always in everything. I just, I find myself when I'm low and I'm feeling down and I'm feeling defeated in that lowness, I worship my God. When I get a promotion and everything's going great and I feel awesome, I just take time to thank God and worship him. This last summer, we had a, an event happen in our life where I just, I, I just kept telling Julia, I just kept looking at my wife and be like, I've never been more grateful to God. The, the grace on our, on our life, the grace on our church, what's happening right now, I, I must have said it over 15 times. I, I've never been more aware of God. I'm so grateful that God is so good. See, when you're a worshiper, when you're a person of prayer, you don't turn to God just when it's crisis. See, you worship God in the mountaintop of success, and you worship God in the valley of despair. I am a person of engagement. I engage with God in the best of times and the worst of times. You understand what God's trying to say to you? These are the things I abstain from, and then there are the things I... It's my discipline. It's my habit. I engage with God. I worship God. See, the reason why I think a lot of us don't worship God, I'm going to give you a few reasons why I don't think you worship. 
Because some of us are like, I would love to pray. I would love to rejoice always. I would love to be a person of prayer. But I don't know how to pray. I would, this is the disciples. The disciples came up to Jesus and they're like, hey, we recognize you know how to do this. We do not know how to do this. This is why I love the song, Teach Me How to Dougie. Because I see you dug in, but at least you admit in the song, teach me how to Dougie. And then when I try, I still can't do it, so I quit. The problem with your prayer life is you don't know how to pray. The problem with our worship life is like, we just don't know how to worship. Maybe you didn't grow up with praying parents. Maybe you didn't grow up in a house of faith. Maybe it's never been modeled to you, modeled for you what true worship looks like. The lifestyle of engaging God. Maybe you've never seen someone get a promotion and give the glory to God. Maybe you've never seen someone in the hospital turn to prayer as a family. God wants to show you how to turn to him and to trust in him. It is your dangerous habit telling you you get dangerous you'll be dangerous if you get success and you worship god if you get despair and you worship god rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice in everything you will become a person that's grounded you will become a person that's rooted you will become a person of humility you will become a person that attracts the goodness of god if you say i don't care what i go through in everything i give come on right there in your house i feel faith for somebody you're learning how to worship and pray Look at Luke 11. I love this scripture. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught us how to pray. How does his disciples how to pray? Lord, teach us. See, some of us need to have the humility and the confession today to say, I want this habit in my life. Just don't know what it looks like. No, it sounds great. I want to worship God. I love God. I want to pray more. I don't know how to do this. God will become your instructor. The Holy Spirit will become your teacher. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you on how to pray. God will give you scriptures and promises and verses and truths. God's teaching you today to put this habit in your life for all the success you're going to have and all the despair you're going to go through. You need to become a person that worships no matter what. You need to become a person that knows how to get a hold of me. Oh, I love Acts 16. Paul and Silas, they're in a prison cell. It's midnight. They, they're in there, and it's not even their fault. They've done nothing wrong. It says that about midnight, Paul and Silas start praying and singing hymns. They said, if we're going to be in this cell, we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice in everything. Give thanks to the Lord. They start worshiping God. They start praising God. This says the other inmates, they start listening to their worship. I want to tell you, when you become a person of praise and worship, when you become a person of prayer, your family is going to start paying attention. Your coworkers are going to start paying attention. When you're quick to turn to God. See, when you learn how to do it, you start operating in it. 
When you learn how to do it, you could be in a prison cell. It could be midnight. Paul and Silas start praying and singing hymns to God. And the Bible says an earthquake breaks out. The prison doors fling open. They get free. The whole prison gets free. In other words, God starts moving when people start praising. God starts moving when you start turning to him. God said, I'm ready to help you. I want to give you comfort. I want to give you peace. I want to give you wisdom. Clap today in your house if you're saying, Lord, I want this to be a habit in my life. Teach me how to do it. I don't know how. If the disciples confessed they didn't know how to do it, you and I can confess. We don't know how to do this. And some of us, it's not just that you don't know how to do it. It's the fact that there's sin in our life. The thing that prevents us from worship and prayer is that there's an obstacle called sin. And when sin enters the equation, the last thing we want to do is talk to God. Because sin equals shame and shame is a bully. Sin, it brings shame, condemnation, and when shame enters the equation, then all of a sudden, that's, you're being bullied by that. So now you're listening to what shame says more than your Savior says. Now you're listening to guilt more than God. Now you're listening to condemnation, not Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you will never pray. You will never worship because there's someone taunting you saying, God, don't you dare talk to God. Don't, don't you dare. Do you know what you did? I, I, I remember Kanye West, Jesus walked when he said, I want to talk to God, but we ain't talked in so long. See, when you start feeling that distance and you start feeling that shame, the last thing you're going to do is pray and worship. But when you, when you understand, I don't get to come to God because I'm great. I get to worship God because he's great. I don't pray because I'm awesome. Oh, come on. I feel faith in this place today. I pray because he's awesome. Oh, I love this verse. First John chapter three. Look at this. It says, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. The problem is, is that your heart condemns you. The problem is that you feel condemnation because of the sin cycle of your life. You, you did something. You said something. You went somewhere. You're not walking in the will and the plan of God for your life. There are things in your life that you know when God called you to Nineveh, you, you, you bought the fare, you went to Tarshish. And because of the condemnation, you say, I, I, I want to pray, I want to worship, I want to be close to God, but there's things in my life that they are obstacles. God is saying to you today that there is therefore now no condemnation for anyone that's in Christ Jesus. There is no thing, no one, no power, no principality that can keep you from the presence of God. Oh, I love this. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. What would come on the screen? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You're going through a time of need? 
the first thing you should say, I can come boldly before God because of the blood of Jesus. I can come before God because of the cross. I can come before God because the same spirit that raised him lives in me. Anybody thankful today? I get to pray and worship because of grace, because of the good news, because of the gospel. Oh, I can lift my hands. I can lift my voice. I can bring my need because God is for me. Who can be against me? Come on, somebody thank him today. I feel faith. It's a habit we're putting into our life. God's going to teach you how to become a worshiper. He's going to teach you how to pray. He's going to say, no, 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 don't listen to shame. Don't listen to guilt. Don't listen to condemnation. That is the ploy of the wicked one. That's what Adam and Eve fell into when they hid from me in the garden. No, you look at the cross, not at your sin. You look at, you look at Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. Anybody grateful today? I'm getting over my shame. I'm getting into his presence. Here's the third reason why we don't pray. We rely on ourselves. Uh, 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 we want to uh, become a person of prayer and worship. But to be a worshiper requires a dependency. To be a, to be a person of prayer is to admit, I don't have all the answers. To become a person of worship is to lift your hands and call somebody else awesome, not me. We live in an egotistic narcissistic culture and in a narcissistic society narcissism wins and because we're so into self self-help self-promotion self-ego we are self-reliant and when sin is there also in the equation we go i can't go to god so i'll pay my bills I'll solve my problems. I'll make my marriage okay. I'll, I'll get the promotion on my own. I'll fight for myself in court. But I love that God says, no, 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 no. You come to me. You come with brokenness. You come with humility. Oh, I love that God said, I oppose the proud. Come on, Zoe. I give grace to the humble. Becoming a person of prayer and worship is saying, I humble myself. I, I, I recognize you hung the stars and the moon. You hung, you, you made every animal. You, you made the sea. You made the world. Who, who is man that you're mindful of me? I recognize that you've got the whole world in your hands. I recognize that you're the big deal. You're the beginning and the end. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're the salt. You're the, you're the light of the world. Come on, anybody thankful today that I can go to God and say, you're the big idea, not me. See, when I pray, I get a dependence on God. I start realizing I'm not the source. I'm not the provider. I was talking to a guy in our church the other day. He was like, I said, what are you doing for work? He said, well, I'm going to have to go get a job. Unemployment is, is ending. That has been his source for many months. Above the government, God is your source. Jesus, when he taught the disciples how to pray, he said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our bread, our daily bread. What Jesus put into the model template of prayer is a confession. You're my supplier. And I'm dependent upon you not once a week or not the first and the 15th. I'm not dependent upon you at the end of my annual review. 
Anybody thankful today? I'm dependent upon God every day. This is the air I breathe. I don't have anything outside of God. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. And when I worship God and I start praying to God and I make this my habit, I realize you're making all this happen. It's not my talent. It's not my gift. It's not my grace. It's not my work ethic. It's above that. It is the goodness of God. It is the faithfulness of God. It is the favor. I feel like preaching to somebody today. Somebody needs to understand God has been better than you deserve, and he's been greater than you imagine. Give him a praise in the chats. Give him a praise at home if you're thankful to God. See, the problem is, is that when we stop praying and we stop worshiping, we start thinking, wow, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look how awesome I've been. Look at what I've created. I've, I, this, is, this, is, this is Nebuchadnezzar. In the Old Testament, this, this, this king gets up from his couch, his, his white cloud couch from Restoration Hardware, and he gets up and he, he looks around. He's like, wow, look at what I've built. Look at what I've done. See, I think you ought to be literally impressed with yourself and majorly impressed with God. You ought to just have a small view of self and a massive view of God, saying God is the big idea. God is the hero. God makes it happen. I can look back and say, God got got me out of this. God provided this. God opened this door. God made a way where there was no way here. Anybody thankful today that when you start praying and you start worshiping, it gives you a glimpse of the bigness of God and the smallness of you. So I, 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 I think that you could have a dangerous habit in your life and this habit could be so lethal that you become a person that loves to worship and loves to pray. I worship and pray. I, I just love to worship. I love worship's my favorite part of the day and just putting on worship music and just having a great worship playlist. And as the worship music's playing in the background, it's causing me to thank God and talk to God. And I'm just in everything. I'm giving thanks. I'm thanking God for my day and my family. I'm thanking God for my friends. I'm thanking God for my church. I'm just, this is happening. And when that happens, I want write down the next point. I love this because when that happens, you bring, it satisfies my soul. Because as I pray and as I worship, when I really start to worship God, all of a sudden my soul's like, this is all that we need. And all my longings for this, that, and the other fade away. In fact, even my prayer requests go away because I get everything I need in his presence. Look at Psalm 63. I love this scripture right here. It says, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life itself. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with the marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. The, the psalmist is saying, I, will, I recognize your love is better than anything in life. I could go to Disneyland. I could go to Cabo San Lucas. No adventure. No friendship in the world. No promotion. No house. No car. Nothing in the world is like your love. Your, my soul is satisfied. You know, you, know, you know when you eat a meal and you feel satisfied, you're like, 
that's that right there. That's exactly what I, last Sunday I was I was I was coming home and Julie's like she's throwing out all the options of places we like to go on Sundays and she threw out the Mediterranean place I like to go. I was like, are you sure? Can we go there? It's my favorite spot. You know it's my favorite spot. Can we go to the Mediterranean spot? She goes yes. And what do you order? I go oh my gosh, you get the lamb. Please give me the lamb, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Give me the lamb. So she gave me the lamb. We got to my house. I'm telling you, I devoured this meal and I just sat there. Thank you, Jesus. My soul is satisfied. When you get into God's presence and you start to worship him, everything your soul thought it needed, it didn't. Because you get with God and you're like, that's it. Everything I thought I craved, I found my soul sufficiency in the presence of Jesus. I got with God, and all of a sudden, the healing I needed, the comfort I needed, the joy that I needed, the satisfaction I've been craving, I got it when I got with God. Oh, I love this. Look look at this next verse, Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You've got cravings in your soul. Right now, today, I'm craving sugar. But above a craving for sugar, that's what I physically want. My soul wants God. And you got to build this habit into your life because your soul, if you don't get God, your soul is going to crave something else and that will destroy you. I set my soul craving on the only person that can fulfill its need, and it's the name of Jesus. Come on, clap right there. Thank God in your house. Drop it in the chat. Jesus plus nothing. It's everything I need in my life. Soul craving, soul craving, soul craving. Your soul's got craving, but can only find satisfaction in the presence of the living God. As the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longs like the body needs water my soul needs Jesus my soul cannot find satisfaction in social media cannot find satisfaction in my bank account cannot find completion it just in my community it's only in God and I start building that into my life I'm telling you what will happen right down the next point is you'll create an addiction you will become addicted to his presence See, I think in your life, you got addictions like me. I got addictions. Let's be honest. We all got addictions. I'm addicted to coffee. I'm addicted to coffee. It's just straight up. I think, it's, I think God created it for us to enjoy. Why would I deprive myself? I have it every day. I love coffee. We all have addictions in our life. But instead of having addictions we got to stay away from and, and have abstinence from, why don't we have addictions that we engage with? We're trying to build holy habits into our life. They say, I'm addicted to this stuff. I think you ought to become addicted to worship and prayer. It's like, if I don't get this hit, I get funky. If I don't get this hit, I'll just, if I, if I have to get weaned off of that, I go weird and sideways. I need his presence. I need his voice. I need something about worship. There's something about prayer. Oh, look at this scripture. I love Psalm 16. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In his presence is the fullness of that I'm addicted to. I am addicted to worship. I am addicted to prayer. It is the thing that I love to do the most because when I do this, 
I can't find satisfaction like this. It's my, it's my holy habit. It is my addiction. It is my practice. It is my discipline. I am a person of worship and prayer. When you build this addiction into your life, I promise you, you'll start living like Psalm 84, verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I've spent a thousand days over there. It did nothing to me. But I started getting with God. I'm addicted to that comfort. I'm addicted to that peace. I'm addicted to that joy. I'm addicted to that love. I'm addicted to his come on somebody thank him right now i start hearing heaven my whole life i have tried to build into my life this great addiction and never wean myself off of it stay addicted to the word addicted to church addicted to his presence addicted to worship you see see some of us we got to stop looking at addiction as the bad thing no you can build some holy addiction some holy habits that I get my high from the presence of God. And when you start doing that, when you start building that into your life, I promise you your life starts looking different because there are addictions that you create in your life that have brought destruction, that have brought pain. They've cost you money. They've cost you relationships. They've cost you thinking patterns. They've, they've cost you vitality. They've caught, think about the cost of poor addictions. But when you get addicted to worship and you get addicted to prayer, all of a sudden the best version of you comes out. All of a sudden there's a holy confidence. There's a huge humility. There's a touch of God on your life. There's a grace for every endeavor. There's a wisdom. There's a prophetic edge about you. There's something. There's a grace. There's a calling. There's an anointing. Why? Because I got with God and everything changed. Everything changes in the presence of the living God. So God is trying to teach you how to become addicted in this engagement of worship and prayer. And as you start worshiping God, and you pray with God. You, you, you'll notice people that love to worship and pray, they, they just keep the conversation going. In fact, write that down. Keep the conversation going. It, it, it's not a conversation I pick up once a week. It's not a conversation I pick up, you know, uh, January and, and September. I do this for 21 days, and then I stop praying. No, it's just I keep the conversation going. We were talking to this mom recently who dropped off her daughter at college. And I said, how are they doing? How's your, how's your daughter doing? And she said, oh, we're fine. We text all day. We, we FaceTime 10 times a day. We just, we just, we, we just talk all day long. See, see, what the Bible's saying is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, let me say it. Again, I say rejoice in everything. Keep the conversation going. Don't break your talking with Jesus. You just have a continually, continual conversation with Jesus. In the morning, you get up, you turn some worship music on, and you start just thanking God for today. God, thank you for today. I love you so much. Thank you. I give you my day. I surrender to you. You get in the car. You drive to work. Put on some worship music. You're worshiping God. You're singing a hymn to God. You're loving God. You say, God, I just thank you for this day. Whatever comes my way, I dedicate my day to you. Use me as you see fit. You're talking to God through lunch. You're talking to God through the afternoon. You go and have dinner. You stop and your meal. You just pause. You you just thank God. And you just say, God, I thank you that today was awesome. I thank you that you were with me every step of the way. Then right before you go to bed, you pray over your kids and you pray over your life. You write down some thoughts. Maybe you listen to some worship music at the end of the day. You just keep the conversation going. Any intimate relationship does not have a text message. It's like, yo, how you been? You where you at? 
Yo, we ain't talked in so long. What's been good with you? No, no, no. It's just like it's one continual conversation. I haven't asked my wife in 13 years, how you been? I've never texted my wife, what's good with you? We just have one continual conversation. See, you need to get so close with Jesus that it's not like, ah, this is kind of awkward. I know you've been trying to talk to me. I've been talking to you. Um, ah. No, it's just one continual conversation where you're talking to God and God's talking to you. And as you build that into your life, I'm telling you, God will see that and go, that's what I'm talking about. There was this guy in the Old Testament named Enoch, and it says Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. God just had a relationship with Enoch that was so close that God's like, yo, my man, that's exact. You figured it out. Come on up here to heaven. Look, look, look at Genesis. I love this scripture. Genesis 5. He, he walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In other words, they just had such a continual conversation that God was so close to Enoch that God was like, yo, man, we ain't even going to do a funeral. Just come on up here, bro. Like, you're good. Just get in the elevator. Come on, let's just come on up. Like, what, what would your life look like? What, what would this dangerous habit do in your life if you're just like, I'm, I'm addicted to it, man. I, I, call me crazy, but I know what I engage with. I engage with Jesus, and it's my habit. It is my discipline. It is my lifestyle. I, I, I'm a worshiper. I'm, I pray. I pray and I worship. I worship and I pray. This is what I do. Do you realize what your life would look like? I end with this. Worship team, you can come join me, but I end with this. Here's what your life would look like. It would look like peace, purpose, and passion. I'm, I'm just telling you today, your life would look full of peace, purpose, and passion. The reason why we go through the abstinence is go, okay, I, I know what I say no to. I'm a Jesus person, so there are some things in my life, secrecy, 100%. I don't want to let everybody know the good deeds I do. I serve on Zoe Cares. I give to I Love My City. I don't need to put that on my social media. I'm straight. There's the abstinence of my life. There is the engagement of my life. And in the engagement of my life, I am a worshiper and I am a person of prayer. And as I worship and pray, worship and pray, the exchange that I receive is so much peace, so much purpose, and so much passion. Peace, purpose, passion. Would those three words describe your life? Peace, purpose, passion. Do you have peace? Do you have purpose? Do you have passion? Because the worshiper has got peace. The person of prayer has great purpose. The one that engages and keeps the conversation going with God. Passionate about life. See, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was the enemy and I knew how lethal this habit could be in your life. I would do everything in my power not to get you to pray. Because I know the peace, purpose, and passion that would happen in your life. So I'd hide prayer from you. I'd make it seem so hard and for only the churchy people. I'd make it feel like this mountain you can't climb. I'd make it feel like it's a mystery you can't solve. Now I just keep it away from you because I know that I can torment you if you don't pray.
I know I can get you to be distracted and have no purpose if you don't pray. I know I can put you to sleep in sin with no passion if you don't pray. But I know if you start worshiping and you start praying, you're going to become... Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody thank God today. You'll become a person that carries peace everywhere you go. Carries purpose every day of your life. Gets passion back in your life. So I'd hide it from you if I was the devil. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Prayers for the elite. Prayers for the super spiritual. You've got issues. You've got sin. You've made mistakes. No, no, no. You're not good enough. You can't worship like them. You don't even know what to say. You don't even know how to, how to raise your hand. You don't know, you're not good enough. I keep it from you. Like, we just started school back in our house. So for our boys, we bought them back-to-school clothes, you know, back-to-school back uh, shoes. You know I love shoes. So I got my boy, my, my seven-year-old got him a great selection of shoes. You got, got some new shoes to choose from. The problem is he likes his old shoes. So every day he comes out, he's got his little Zara outfit on, and he's got his old shoes. And so the, the, a couple of days ago, I said, my man, you're not allowed to wear those shoes. He threw himself on the ground. Dad, these are my favorite shoes. These are my shoes, man. I got to wear my shoes. I love these shoes. I said, those were good shoes. They've had their day. They got to go. These are your options. You've got these new shoes. You can wear the new shoes. He's like, Dad, I don't want to wear those shoes. I don't want to wear those shoes. And these, 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 I don't like these shoes. These are beautiful shoes, son. Your mother and I work very hard to supply these new shoes. Finally, after arguing with him for so long, while he was uh, brushing his teeth, I grabbed his shoes. I went and hid in the top of my closet. He starts looking around for his old shoes. I said, man, I don't know where they're at. Come on, we got to go to school. You got these new shoes right here. See, if I was the enemy, I would try and hide prayer. I'd be like, no, 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 you can't get to it. You're not good enough. You don't know the Bible. You don't know scripture. You're not from the right family. You're not an awesome Christian. Come on, somebody thank God today. God is trying to build into your life. Come on, a new life, a new habit, a new future, a new day. Come on, thank him right there in your house. It's a new season of life. We're building into our life, not emotions not a rally cry disciplines habits God I pray for Zoe I pray for every person that's listening 